So one particular time, we were going to the store, and I'll never forget this, and Julia had worked and saved $10. Now, for, she was about six, I think, at the time, five or six. So that's a, that's a lot. She'd been saving for a long time. And Wes had worked extra and saved $5. And so I think going into this, Julia thought that, you know, she had the upper hand going into the shopping trip. But Wes had just had a birthday. And so he had gotten some birthday money from his grandparents. So he actually had $20 to spend. Now, we were on our way to the store, and we were celebrating Wes's good fortune. And uh, I kind of looked in the rearview mirror, and I got a glimpse of Julia, and I saw that she had this sad look on her face, and maybe actually a little angry look on her face. And I was like, Jules, what's going on? Why are you so sad? She said, it's not fair. Now, if you grew up in our house, the word fair, see, James and I didn't play the fair game with our kids. And, and Julia and Wes could probably even recite to you what we would say to them if they tried to call fair. We would say, life is hard and rarely fair. Now, if I was being really snarky that day, I would say, get used to it. But typically, we would just say, life is hard and rarely fair. So she said, it's not fair. And now, I didn't want to invalidate her feelings because it you know, I understood how she felt. But, you know, moms, you have that, that mama teaching moment that you just can't pass up. I knew that this is one of those perfect teaching moments. So I said, Jules, I get it. I understand that, that you're feeling like the, the scale has been tipped in Wes's direction because now he has more money than you. And she didn't understand that he had $10 more because, again, she was only five or six and didn't really understand that concept. But she knew that it was more than what she had. And so I said, you know, but birthdays are special. And we love to celebrate each other and celebrate that this person, you know, came into our life and they're having a birthday and this is the day that God chose to to bring them into our family. And, oh, by the way, in about four months, you're going to have a birthday and you're going to want Wes to celebrate with you. So you need to, you need to, you know, kind of get it together here, girlfriend, and celebrate him. But, you know, it just didn't add up in her little six-year-old mind. It, It just still didn't seem fair. And it didn't seem fair because Julia was comparing her $10 to Wes's 20, or let me put it this way. She was comparing her $10 day to Wes's $20 moment. Wes was really having a $5 day, but then he had a moment, and that raised his moment up to a $20 moment. And so when Julia was comparing, she was actually devaluing what she had in her hand, because before she knew Wes had more, she, she was really valuing that $10, but now she was comparing it to his 20 And she said, but he didn't earn it, which is true, but she was comparing it to his moment. And don't we do that too? Don't we say, you know, we're going through life, and and, and really, most of us have $10 days, right? Most of our days are $10 days, if we're looking at that kind of a currency. And we're going through life, and we're having a $10 day, and then all of a sudden, we have a $20 moment, and we're like, yes! best day ever. You know, I'm having a $20 moment. Let me get you a Starbucks. Yes. And then the next day we have a $10 day and then the next day another $10 day. And and then then the girl that's sitting next to us at work, she has a $20 day. And she's like, yes. And you're like, no, (laughs) you didn't deserve that $20 moment. You didn't deserve that. Don't we do that? We can get so obsessed with comparison. We compare everything from our appearances to our piggy banks. You know, like your house. You love your house. You've worked hard for your house. You've raised your family in your house. You've got these wonderful memories. It's the place you go on Friday afternoons and don't want to leave again until Monday morning. You love your house. But then you watch one episode of Fixer Upper and you need some shiplap in your life, right? (laughs) 
You didn't even know what ship life lap was, but you know you need it now, right? Absolutely, I get it, I hear you, but my husband won't let me put ship lap because it's trendy. So we can't have any ship lap in our house. Love you, babe. Or maybe your job. You know, you've been going after this promotion and, and maybe somebody else is going after the same promotion, but you're working so hard. You're the kind of person who gets to work 15 minutes early. That person gets there on time or late and they get the promotion. You're like, I don't, why? I don't understand, that's not fair. See, fair. Life is hard. Or maybe you're in school and you're working on this project and you've been, work, you've been busting it working on this project and you got a B. And you were okay with that B until that girl over there got an A and you know she didn't work as hard and you're like, I don't understand. Or maybe you're in this, this season of your life where all of your friends are getting married and dating and you haven't found that person in your life yet. You're still like hopelessly single, right? Or maybe you've got, you're, 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 at, you're married and your friends are all having babies and you're struggling with infertility. That hurts, right? You're comparing. Or maybe you have kids, but you want new ones because they're broke. <laughs> like, I need new kids. This, this didn't work out. We can find anything to compare. Anything in our life we can find to compare. And we get so caught up and we don't realize it until we wake up one day and we're miserable. Absolutely miserable. Because you know why? Comparison steals our joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. I believe that comparison comes from, our, comes from the enemy. And I think that it's equated to having an ungrateful heart. It's like us telling God, what you did with me and my life wasn't good enough. Ow. Can you imagine telling God that he's not good enough? But that's really what comparison is. And it results in jealousy and envy in our hearts. And you know, in God's economy, comparison just doesn't work. Because God's not an equal God. He's equitable. He doesn't love us each equally, but he is equitable. And he doesn't love us the same, because by saying that, that's implying that you're replaceable. And he doesn't love us equally, because his love is immeasurable. He loves us uniquely. Come on, those of you who are mamas in the room, you know that your children don't have to share your love. It's like you're the Grinch. Your heart grew three times bigger that day. A Disney reference, and I'm not a Disney person. So you know that, that your children don't have to share that love. You know, I love my kids with the same level of mama intensity, but my love for Wes is unique to Wes, and for Julia, unique to her, and Trisha, and Tiffany, and Laura. All my children, I, I love them uniquely, not equally, and that's how God's love is. And, you know, we, like I said, we, we walk around and we spend most of our days in our life having a $10 day where I just show up, I smile, and I diligently serve my community and I serve my God. And then God says, Karen. I said, yes. <laughs> he puts my face in his hands and he says, I love you. You're my daughter. And I'm going to give you a $20 moment. Do I deserve that $20 moment? Heck no, I don't. But it's grace. It's God's grace that gave me that $20 moment. And that's what makes it so beautiful and so special. And should we rejoice with our sister when she receives a $20 moment? Yes, absolutely. Because $20 moments are rare. They're precious. But then envy sets in. And instead of celebrating her, we belittle her. 
We put her down. We tell her, in our, hopefully just in our heart and her mind, that she's not the best, she's not the cutest, she's not the most talented, she doesn't deserve that $20 moment. Instead, wouldn't it be so, listen, if you could just get this, if we could just really capture this and get this and just live it, it would save us for so much anxiety and depression and feeling worthlessness in our life. If we could just rejoice with our sister when she has her $20 moment. If we could just celebrate with our sister when she has that $20 moment. Because you know what? Yours is coming just like Julia's birthday was coming. Your $20 moment is coming, and you want that sister to rejoice with you. And if you're not able to rejoice with your sister when she has a $20 moment, really, that says more about you than anything else, truthfully. And you know, her win doesn't mean that you lose. Just clap for her. You're not even running the same race. Just celebrate her in her $20 moment. Paul says it like this in Ephesians. He says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. You know, I believe we have an identity and a purpose crisis going on in our world right now. And I think comparison is fueling that deadly fire. You know, the next two generations that are coming up, the the millennial generation, and they're all well into their adulthood, and then the Gen Z generation that's coming up into adulthood, I believe that they are the most, and I'm not just saying this, I really believe it, they are the most brilliant and well-connected generation we've ever had. And they are called to do something that's never been done before because our world over the last 10, 15 years has changed so much. The problem is they don't know what they're doing because it's never been done before, right? And when we're called to do something new, we can't look left or look right to figure out what to do, looking at other people. We have to look up to our Heavenly Father, and we need to find out what He has purposed for us. And these beautiful humans that need the generation before them, and for a majority in this room, that's us. They need the, the, the generation that has gone before them to lead them, to love them, to help them find their God call. You know, there is no other generation that has been mocked, minimalized, and marginalized more by the people who raised them than this millennial and Gen Z generation. No other generation. Let's do better by this generation, by these girls. Let's do better. Let's help them. Let's help them to find their identity. Let's help them to put feet to their dreams and to their vision. And let's help them to understand that comparison is not vision. As a matter of fact, comparison kills vision. You know, when you're trying to understand your vision, you really need, I think, two important things. The first thing you need to know, you need to know two important things, I should say. The first thing that you need to know is you need to know where you are or when you are, which is here, and now, fully present in the present. And again, like I said before, this isn't, is, this isn't an us thing. This just isn't limited to our generation, where we're not able to fully embrace and live in the present. This has been happening for, for ages. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, and don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there where you are. God, not your marital status, defines your life. Don't think I'm being harder on you than the others. I gave the same counsel in all the churches. So apparently it was a problem back then too. (laughs) 
You know, God anoints our presence. He knows where we are right now. He knows whether you're married or not married or who you're married to. He knows whether you're in school or whether you have a job. He knows whether you have kids or no kids. And he is anointing your today. So please don't wish it away. It's a present. It's a gift. And even if your day, even if your today looks like diapers or laundry or paying bills or trying to make a payroll, he's there. He's there in your today, and he's anointing you as you go. The number one enemy, I believe, to the present, living in the present, is comparison. Kind of weaves through all these areas in our life. And the only way, really, I think, to unlock that blessing of living in the present is by trusting by planting seeds of hope and faith today and watching them flourish as you faithfully and patiently tend to what God has placed in your heart and has given you today. In Matthew, he says it this way, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Now notice he didn't say walk ahead of me or walk behind me. He said walk with me because when you're with him, you're living in the presence and you can present and you can watch what he does. And that takes trust to live in the present like that. I also believe that we are last days people, that we are living the last days. But I also understand those last days could be another 100 years. It seems like every generation says, these are the last days. Jesus is coming. He's got to be coming. And that's because with every generation, we seem to move further and further. Our culture shifts further and further away from biblical principles. But I see this generation, this millennial and Gen Z generation, I see them a little bit differently. I see that they are looking for the way home. I, think, I see that they're looking for hope, peace, purpose, meaning, and forgiveness. And I may be a little more attuned to that because I happen to be a parent of adult children now, and I see their hearts, and I see the things that they're looking for. You know, at Camelback, we love to say, welcome home. It's out on the front of our buildings. And that's not just a slogan for us. Right? We're committed. That is us saying that we are committed to inviting young and old alike into our house and to raise them up in love to know Jesus. So how do we do this on a practical level? Well, that's pretty easy, actually. Speak life into present messes and this present generation. And I'm not saying that this generation is a mess, but things are going on in our culture and things are a mess. But speak life into them. Because, you know, it really doesn't take courage or wisdom to criticize or to condemn or to call people out. But it does take, um, it does take courage to be voices who can stand up in the middle of a mess and call out truth and say, but God. It takes courage to do that. It takes wisdom to know how to do that. And we also need to show them by our actions and our attitudes that when we follow Jesus, regardless of the circumstances in your life, the best is yet to come. Because God promised us in John 10.10 that he is going to give us an abundant life. And I want to teach this generation how to live that John 10.10 life. Your circumstances, they don't dictate what's going on in your heart. The circumstances are always going to be there, but what are you going to do with it? So to understand your vision, you need to know where you are. And you also need to know who you are. You know, there's so much noise in the world today, so many voices that are vying for our attention, and it draws us and it drowns out the voice of God in our life. You know, we end up in this social media coma where we're just scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or whatever it is, and, and we wake up and we're feeling inadequate and we're feeling worthless 
and unworthy. And you're saying, why can't I? Why can't I plant this beautiful, organic, raised bed garden and harvest these vegetables and feed them to my family? And why can't I be a social media influencer? Or why can't I be a fab, fit, fun partner? I say that three times fast. Why can't I do those things? Because you weren't called to that. Run in your lane, girl. You weren't called to be that person. You, and you know what? You don't know the backstory behind that social media influencer. You're, what you want is you want her highlight reel. You want her $20 moment that she's posting on Instagram. You don't want her $10 day. You have no idea what she's going through on a day-to-day basis. Stay in your lane. Know your identity. Did you know that your identity is not defined by Instagram? It's not. It's also not defined by your bank account. It's not defined by your calendar. It's not defined by your airline miles. It's not defined by your friend list. Your identity is defined by God and only God. He says who you are. Nobody else has that authority. So please stop allowing the culture to define you because they get it wrong every time. And the living God, he gives us his word and his spirit, and he tells us who we are. He is our identity maker, and he's our identity shaper. And we need to understand his truth and what he says about who we are. You know, Pastor James talked uh, several weeks ago for about five or six weeks, and he challenged us over that, the course of those five or six weeks to think higher, to think better, to think healthier. And he said this um, almost every week, and he said it before, and I love it. He says, what you believe determines what you think. What you think determines what you feel. And what you feel determines how you act. So we have this identity crisis. And this generation is desperately trying to figure out what they were called to do, because making a difference is incredibly important to this generation. I hear them say it all the time. They don't care who you are. They want to know what you do. Not what you do for a living, but what you're doing in the community, what you're doing to make your world better. They want that, but they don't know who they are. And you don't find out who you are in the presence of people. You find out who you are in the presence of God. This generation is overwhelmed with the presence of people. It's constant. The criticism, the social media, the opinions, it's everywhere, and it's negatively affecting their overwhelming sense of God. So do you want to know what you're called to do? Do you want to know what your identity is? Yes, I do too. Let's get off social media. <laughs> let's, give a, let's go off social media for five minutes or five days and get into the presence of God because there, in the presence of God, he will call you out by name. And when you finally settle this identity matter, it will change your thinking. When you know your identity which is you are accepted, blameless, chosen, holy, loved, free, all those things that Michaela said before, you won't feel the need to compare yourself to others anymore. You'll be able to replace lies with what you know is true. And that, my friend, is the beginning of freedom. When the enemy starts lying to you and you know God because you've been in his word and you've been in his presence, you'll be able to replace his lies with truths. When the enemy says, you're a failure, you say, "Mm, I'm a conqueror. 
When he says, your situation will never end, you say, my circumstances are temporary. When he says, you are worthless, you say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When he says, you are ordinary, you say, I am created in his image. When he says, you're unaccepted, you say, I am welcomed by Christ. When he says, you're inferior, you say, I have confidence. And he says, you're unwanted, you say, shut up. I am a daughter of the king. That's what you need to do. And when you become a follower of Christ, you need to let these girls know when they become followers of Christ, they move from God's creation to God's daughter with every right to their holy inheritance. They are daughters of the king, and you want to teach them to live permanently attached to that identity. Because that identity, no matter what circumstance or trial or situation that you walk through, you cannot, because you are attached to it, you cannot be fooled to think that you are anything less than God's child. But you're going to have a day. We all have days. I have those days too. I have days that are, are not $10 days. They might be $2 days. And sometimes I forget who I am too. And so we've got you covered. When some of, some of our leaders are passing out these little gifts for you, and what I want you to do is when you have that day and you forget who you are, wait for everybody to get one. Can you throw one up to me, Christina? Thank you so much. So we have this cute little gift for you. It's a little compact. And on the front of it, it says, sweet sister, you are beautiful. And so when you're having one of those days, I want you to look at that. And first thing I want you to do is read that and believe that because you are. And then I want you to look and open up and look at the mirror. And I want you to tell yourself who you are. Tell yourself, go through that list, call out those truths that are in God's word so you know that you can fight the lies of the enemy. You need to tell the devil what's what, right? And like so many of you, I've had early, I had my, my early years, they were difficult days. Some of the things that happened to me were inflicted by me, on me by others, but a lot of them were self-inflicted. I was, I was kind of a disobedient kid, and it's not because I wanted to be bad. I just thought life was about having fun. And a lot of the times the things that I did were things I weren't, wasn't supposed to do. I was also a people pleaser, which really doesn't make sense with the last thing I said, but it, it, it goes along. I was kind of a chameleon. I could, I could kind of play a role for this group and then play a role for that group. And if you're at all into the Enneagram, I'm a three, so I can't help it. I was created this way. <laughs> uh, our family had issues. You know, we were not a perfect family either. I had some identity, what I wanted to be versus who I was. And I didn't have a fear of consequences. And so because of that, I made some bad decisions. And some names were put on me. Some names were put on me because of my actions, and people put names on me. But God called me up out of that destruction. He gave me a new purpose, a destiny, and a true identity. And then he gave me a new name. And so I want to encourage you to stay connected in, to Jesus, to know who you are. You can't look to the left or the right. There's no time for that. These are really important days. And for our little sisters in the house, we have a responsibility to them to pave the way and show the way. We actually have, even have a responsibility to the women who poured into us. Because, come on, girls, someone in church raised you up. Someone in church loved you, prayed for you, was a warrior for you, challenged you, and told you in Jesus' name that your skirt was too short. 
Somebody did that for you. And now it's our turn to do that for the sisters that are coming up behind us, modeling and pouring into that generation, being their heroes, speaking wisdom, encouraging them. And that's the secret sauce of sisterhood. You know, it's not just about sisterhood events, although we love sisterhood nights, right? But sisterhood, we understand through sisterhood that we are better together and we are stronger when we stick together. We understand that our relationships and our sisterhood are cherished and they're worth investing in. We also understand that to fuel the greater vision of our church, our local church, Camelback, or even the greater church, Big C Church, that our sisters need to be equipped for every good work. And so we're so excited to announce that we are starting our very, fir- our very first sisterhood life group. Yes. This is going to be a four-week life group. We're going to be here at Camelback on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8. We're starting this coming Wednesday, the 23rd of October, and we're going through November 13th. So if you are not in a life group already, or maybe you are, but maybe you want to you know, make, make some more relationships, develop some more relationships with some sisters, and you're a high school graduate or older, we invite you to come and join our life group, the Sisterhood Life Group. So when we, when we dismiss and we go out to the after party, uh, when you go out the door, you turn right to the right, and there'll be a table there. It says life groups on it, and some of our leaders are there. And I invite you to go and talk to the leaders there about joining a Sisterhood Life Group. Be four weeks, four-week group. Um, I think it's going to be fabulous, and I think that you are going to benefit so much from being in life, going through life, doing life with your sisters. Sisters, I want to encourage you to take sisterhood with you tonight as you leave. Take it into the after party. Take it into your circle of sisters. But more importantly, take it into the fringe of the girls who are on the outside, who are the girls who are kind of unwavering, who just don't know. Take it to them. And invite them as we invite you, because we are an inclusive, united heart for this house. All generations are welcome. Girls to grannies, diapers to depends. Everybody's welcome. We want everybody here. Doesn't matter. We want to see all of our sisters flourish into all that God has called for us to do. And maybe you came here tonight and you're searching for home or you're feeling far from home. I want you with all my heart to hear these two truths. The first one is, you are welcomed into our sisterhood. We want Camelback Sisterhood to be a safe landing for you. You're home away from home. In this room, you can find your circle. Your sisters are here. We are here to celebrate your $20 moments, and we're here to pick you up when you fall. Because girls, if you are not surrounded by a circle of sisters who will celebrate you, you are bound by a ring who want you marginalized. You need to surround yourself with a circle of sisters that will celebrate you and pick you up. And that's who we are. You are welcome here just as you are. The second truth I want you to know is that God loves you with a love that is so profound that it passes time and full understanding. And that might sound a little mysterious, and that's okay, because it's beautiful. His love is beautiful. He loves you, and he knows you fully, and he wants you to know and love him as well. He has a plan for you that's filled with hope. And he has promised you a future. So if you don't know God, I want to invite you to take your next step. If you're feeling far away, I want you to take this next step with me. And so I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand and and let me know, but I am going to ask you just to pray a prayer with me. And it's real simple. So if you all would just bow your, your head and close your eyes. 
If that's you tonight and you say, you know what, Karen, I, I'm far away from God or I don't know God and, and I want that and I want that circle of, of sisterhood, just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I confess that, that I don't know you, that I'm far from you, which means that, that I'm a sinner who hasn't asked for forgiveness yet. And so I want to take that step today and I want to ask for forgiveness from you. I want to follow you. I want to be a part of your family. I want to be your daughter. I want to move from your created to your daughter. And so, Jesus, I ask you tonight just to come into my heart. And I promise with everything in me that I will do the best of my ability to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.